0: Hello and welcome to episode 68 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. Joining me once again is League Freak, who you can find on Twitter at League Freak. Have you recovered from a massive live show on the weekend where we had Boogie Bumper from the starting block drop by?
1: I have. It was fantastic. If anyone hasn't listened to it, it's episode 67. It's the last one we put out. It's the one during the Challenge Cup final. Um, it says that we watched the Challenge Cup finally in that episode, but quite honestly, we barely mentioned it. So if you're worried that we're going to be commentating the game or something and you don't really care about it, that's fine. Just listen to it. You'll see what we mean.
0: Yeah. there's. It, it goes for about two and a half hours, and I dare say about 20 minutes of it would be rugby league talk. Yeah, at most. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> most. pushing it. <laughs> yeah. It, it's pretty much just a very loose chat. Yeah. Which very, is quite very fun. loose. Um, so yeah, today we're, I suppose we're going to talk about a number of things, but we're going to start out with a lot of the talk that's going on around the Newcastle Knights after, uh, coach Nathan Brown had a, what we believe is a amicable parting with the Knights. Um, yeah, yeah. There's been a few stories going around there and Nathan Brown has been on the, uh, the interview circuit, I guess, doing speeches and talking about this process and why he's leaving that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. It's been a bit weird. Like, I mean, first of all to go first of all to for the coach to decide that and let look let's give him the benefit of the doubt all right let's say he wasn't sacked and he really did go in and say listen i think i've done everything i can here it's time for both of us to part ways let's live in that fantasy land for a second um to do it when the knights still could have made the finals is very very weird and then afterwards, to he really has. He's gone on, like, this media campaign. Like, he's been talking every single day in the media. It's been really weird. And, like, getting on TV and all these different channels and, you know, any time there's a microphone, you look and, and he's in front of it. I, I find that very strange. I think that if he was going to stand down, he should have stood down and just shut up.
0: Yeah, it's – I think that thing has been really – odd too is he he's kind of been going around blaming himself Mm. but it's like when he's when he makes all of those comments where he's blaming himself it's kind of like it's an afterthought like he 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 doesn't want to be blaming himself because he knows he's not the problem but he doesn't want to be seen as blaming the players and and having a a nasty split so he says oh it's partly my problem as well of course and yeah it just doesn't seem
1: convincing in any way no and the thing about a coach. Is that a good or a bad coach? They have to, they have to have an idea in their head that is like this. It's my way of the highway. This is how we win, and you all better buy in. And look, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But Craig Bellamy isn't sitting there, umming and ahhing in front of everyone, going, "Oh, I wonder if I could have done this better, or you know what I should have done differently." Blah blah blah. It, it's not like that for a good coach. That and. I think that he's doing himself a big disservice and it was interesting because when it first came out and it, I was watching NRL 360 and Paul Crawley was saying that the fact that Nathan Brown is, is honest about how he's gone is a real detriment to him and it's pretty funny that a journalist would um put truthfulness as a mark against somebody but <laughs> I think that's um I think for Brown, he just needed to shut up. If this is all the stuff he was thinking, he should have kept it to himself, because I don't think his his performance since is convincing anybody that he's going to be a good pick up for another club.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting because given the given the mess that he took over at Newcastle. Mm. And the fact that he's leaving before he gets to get them to the finals. Yeah. And the fact that the timing of it, it's just all weird. Like, I i think you'd, if, if I was Nathan Brown, I'd want the side to get to the finals first and then say, right, my job he's done, it's time to move on. Yeah. Getting them near the finals and then having them capitulate like the pile of shit they did on the weekend against the Tigers, thats that's not leaving a good legacy. If anything, that's pretty much given this sign that he's just taken a full circle and then back to the shit heap they were when he first arrived. How's that going yeah. kind to of help you get
1: another job? Exactly. And the thing is, too, and we've talked about this a little bit, It doesn't. people aren't going to look at the job he's done, and I think you and me both agree that he took over a, a just a, a mess, nothing short of a mess, an old bastard, not a first-grade side, and he has got them to a certain point. There's no doubt about that. And you can say that that's him. You can say that that's the recruitment of the club in general. You can say that's their juniors, whatever you want to put it on. He's He's been there through that. But at some point, uh, like in six months' time, people are going to be looking at his record, his win-loss record, and it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And it always is going to be for taking over what he took over. <clears throat> but they're going to look at his record and they're going to say, well, you started off with wooden spoons and you got them to, like, 10th you know and and that's the raw data out of it and all of the touchy-feely stuff gets forgotten about um and so yeah that's going to be that's going to be a mark against him looking for another job and that's something he can't get away from
0: yeah i think the two i think obviously at the start of the year there was an awful lot of hype around how well newcastle would go this year which was absurd yeah simple as that um I, I heard J- James had...
1: Hooper said they had a top four side, which <laughs> I think is fucking outrageous. Because I, I I could make a really good argument they had a bottom four side. You know, okay.
0: but so if you're James Hooper, can you name for me the twelve teams <laughs> the twelve teams that had a worse side than the Knights going into the start of the year?
1: Twelve. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yes. I couldn't like no, yeah, I I could get paid money to write just garbage as well. That'd be fantastic. It but would. um, yeah, oh, look, this,
0: it's... this year I mean they they started the season with all that hype behind them, and then mm. after six rounds they had one win and five losses. They yeah. then won what six straight games, mostly against average sides. Parramatta were out of whack. Um, the Warriors, I mean, we've seen how they've been all year. The Bulldogs would come and last. The Dragons had just come off their winning run, and you know they've lost what. Eight or nine or something of the last eleven games, and that was one of them. The Roosters rested a ton of players during the Origin period and got flogged, and then they had one genuinely good win against South. Yeah, and then they beat a uh, a, a Broncos side in round fourteen, and since then it's been one win and seven losses.
1: Yeah, and, and look, it's like hardly, anytime... it's hardly a massive improvement, is it really? No, and look, I think that if you look their team. It's where you expect them to be. You know they've got they've got some problems in that team. You know they've got a couple of good players. Pong is a good player, but he's still very very young. Clem has but played very well in the forwards, but he's carried could, the forwards. Yeah, but you could take the rest of their team. I mean, if some if I was running the club and you could take any other player out of that team about apart from those two and make an offer, and I'd say yeah, take them. Without a second thought.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm with you on that one. It's it's not a team laden with stars like James Hooper believed it was. No, I, I don't know what he was looking at to see a top 14. It kind of shows you the level of analytical thinking that James Hooper has for the game.
1: Yeah. He just, like, he wakes up in the morning. He's angry. Gets up. Has an angry cup of coffee. Sits down.
0: Fight. Has stares. has a has an eye fight with himself in a mirror. That bug's looking at me again.
1: Yeah. Just just stares himself out for a good hour and a half in the mirror. And then uh sits down, opens his computer angry, and then starts writing. Imagine. And he's cheerful. <laughs> he's really optimistic.
0: <laughs> he's really optimistic. Mashing it's, away at his keyboard.
1: Yeah, he's like just no, he's just like he starts writing and he's like, you know what? I really like the Newcastle Knights. I'm going to write something nice about them. Top four side.
0: Yeah, because somebody else said it, not because yeah. I, it's my actual belief.
1: Yeah, yeah. But didn't, uh, know, yeah. didn't know we we're going to
0: be bashing James Hooper. But what the hell?
1: Yeah, what the fuck. Um, <laughs> one thing I would like to say about this whole thing, and it's really become a little bit messy now, is when you're you, you've got a club, and look, I think the Knights would. We're not going to make the finals, okay? I don't think there was... There's a bunch of teams that I think are being talked about as being able to make the finals still, still, that it's over. It's been over. Last weekend, the finals race, in my opinion, was pretty much over. Um, But they still had a chance to make the finals. And I think when you've got a coach that says, listen, boys, I'm done here. Uh, I'm moving on. I can't do anything more. And then you see them come out and they give up. You can't be surprised. I mean, what was Brown going to say to this team going into this game? Like, I know I've given up on everything, but you lot have everything to play for. It just doesn't, you know, he should have expected that sort of performance. And the club should have. Um, yeah, and, the timing but, was
0: ridiculous. You can yeah, even blame the club because they started looking for his replacement during the season. And of course the, he's going to find out about that.
1: Yeah, and that look, that's what the media is talking about after the fact. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how real that actually is. And, look, I think that for most clubs, you should have some sort of plan in place if you need to replace the coach. If, and, and, look, I I would say that if, say, Craig Bellamy is coming off contract this year, the Storm obviously want to sign Craig Bellamy, but they should talk to a bunch of other dudes as well. And Nathan Brown is always coming off contract with the way his contract was was uh set up it's like basically it was re-signed every year so I, I i don't have any problems with them looking at alternatives but i just think that the timing of that this whole thing is was a disaster and it it come out on the field
0: it did yeah and it makes you wonder if there's if that's going to be replicated next week or this weekend and for the next week after that
1: yeah hopefully um... the last round it is hey <laughs>
0: Because if it is, I mean, that's going to completely tarnish his entire career. Now, the one thing that makes it real or seem like it was uh, possibly a falling out with the players, or so we're being told by the media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, his comments that were made by Kalen Ponga and Mitchell Pearce during the week. Calum Ponga was asked if he was if he was sad about the news of Nathan Brown leaving, and Karlon Ponga said that. Um, he wasn't too sad because he was at a at a lunch having a nice strawberry thick shake when he found out about it. Um, Mitchell Pearce then was asked about you know what you know whether he's upset about him leaving and who he thinks the replacement should be. And Mitchell Pearce suggested his mother should come and be coach. Um, well, <clears> it's all very jovial and mucking about, which seems a bit odd for a bunch of players who uh, just lost their coach. And then for those players to be joking around like that, you could argue maybe they're just in good spirits, but then they come out and play the way they did against the West Tigers, and you go, well, what's going on?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, and look, I, I think that, you know, part of me thinks that the players are just having a, a joke about the media, like taking the piss out of the media. And if that's the case, like, bravo, I get that. And seeing who can come up with the worst sort of quote out of it, because I'd be doing that all the time if I was a player. Mm. Um, but it's not a good look, that's for sure.
0: I mean, I must admit, people—I think people are blown up a bit too much about the comments. Yeah. The one thing that the you see, I don't really, I don't really take too much out of what a player says too often. Mm. What they do on the field should hold more value than than the stuff they say off the field. One hundred percent. And what Kalen Ponga did on against the Tigers on the weekend was twenty nineteen Darius Boyd esque. <laughs> I tell if you we're what. We're going to be I... honest. He was he was woeful. He had no effort whatsoever in defence.
1: None. But I tell you what, Mitchell Pierce might as well have not been there either. Hey, like, yeah, he Mitchell. Was...
0: Mitchell Pearce yeah. was 2019 Mitchell Pearce-esque.
1: Yeah. That's he, how bad he was. <laughs> like, he was, he was so bad. I actually thought, is he wearing, like, a New South Wales jersey under that Knights jersey? He was diabolical and all the talk about, oh, he's the best halfback in the game. He's the form player in the competition. And it was always rubbish. If you watch the games, it was bullshit. And, it, like, once again... You know, just another duck egg by Mitchell Pierce. He'd be the first player I'd get rid of if I was a new coach, A, hey? I'd say, Mitchell, listen, you could go up to the Gold Coast. You'll enjoy the lifestyle up there. Play out your days up there. But I'm looking for a halfback that actually turns up when we need to win games. So see you later, buddy.
0: I'd, um, I'd say, right, Mitchell, we have to restructure your contract. So for the last whatever it is years you've got left in your contract, we're going to, you know, we're going to align your performance with an equal salary. And we've come up with $85,000. Yeah. That's what you we're going to offer you. So the rest of the money we'll just give to players who actually want to be here and actually play properly proper football. Yeah. Um, if you're not happy with that, then by all means, fuck off. But yeah. so that's what we'll offer you. If you can find another club that will pay you what we're paying you, you're free to go and take it up. Otherwise, this is what's on the table. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder who'd pick him up
1: if he went on the market. Well, think about it. I mean, who who wants a guy that disappears when they go and get stuff? Matty Johns, Matty Johns. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I saw Andrew Johns going off on the one of the footy shows. I can't remember. Oh, it might have been the Saturday night after the Saturday night game, and he was going off about it. And all I could think of was like. Any time that the club does what the Johns brothers want it to do, it ends in an unmitigated disaster. Like yeah. n- not not bad, didn't not didn't go great. A, a, a soul destroying disaster. Yeah, yeah. Did they actually advocate for Wayne
0: Wayne Bennett to go to the club? Oh yeah, yeah. They and did. And
1: What about um, was it Nathan Tinkler? Yeah, and that was the worst one. And they were on board. They were like, oh, this can change everything, blah, blah, blah. And then when the players weren't getting paid, guess who was silent? Um, would it be a pair of brothers from Newcastle? Or used
0: to play in the halves there? Yes. Um, And these are the same guys who I think pushed for Daniel Saifidi to be in the Origin team this year. Yes. And for Where's Mitchell he Pierce been since Origin,
1: by the way? He went back to where he came from. Yeah. Just t- t- absolutely non-existent. Very yeah, strange.
0: Came, came from absolute obscurity to get
1: thrust into the Origin Limelight and then went straight back to obscurity again. Straight back, yeah. Um, the, yeah, the Knights need to... You know what the Knights need to do? They s- need to stop thinking that Newcastle's a special place because it's not. Anytime you get a, a club that thinks, oh, we're special, we're different, it's a disaster... And you can look through the whole history of the game at things like that. Um, South Sydney did it for a long time and died. And Russell Crowe had to get them back on their feet. Um, There's so many clubs that think that they're special for some special reason. And it always ends in them being a a mediocre joke. And that's what Newcastle have been for so long. Because you go up there and it's like, where? But we're the Knights. We're a bit different to everyone else. And it's like, yeah, your results tend to... You know, show that you don't like winning too much lately. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Maybe that's their specialty. That's what makes them yeah, special. Yeah, exactly. Oh, we like to do things our own way. Will you keep doing it your own way so that I don't have to worry about your team being one of the finals contenders? Fantastic. Keep it up, Knights. Yeah, it's going great, Guns. Yeah, and they're poor fans. I mean, their fans turn up no matter how shockingly bad they are. And that's they're the, the thing that's disappointing. Those,
0: those fans are genuinely special. I don't, mean expect- that a, I don't mean that in a big way because no. you know, those last few years where they were winning spoons every year, they were still churning out crowds of 15,000, 16,000. Those are dedicated fans. And to be honest, they deserve a lot fucking better
1: than what they're being served up. Yeah, miles better. And they need to, you know, the club needs to stop thinking about board members and coaches and stuff that are really great blokes. Oh, no, they're great to have a beer with. Oh, really, you know, salt of the earth. Real Novacastrians, they need to stop that shit. And they need to get some people in that are professionals that don't care where you come from. They don't care about the local, you know, the local area. Oh, you're you're a junior in this area, but you're crap. Oh, I don't care. Go away. They need to become a professional football team. And until that happens, they're just, they're underselling their fans' commitment.
0: Yep. Said it well. Now, Mm -hmm. um... What else was there? Oh, yeah. There was one I was going to bring up here. There was a few comments I was going to bring up cold. So there was... Uh, during... during What was it? A week or two ago. Shane Richardson from South Sydney came out. And mm-hmm. he, he had a dig at the Storm for all their wrestling and shit that they do in their game. Yeah. He called them grubby and whatever else, I think. Yeah. Allegedly. Um, and then this week, in the last few weeks, we've seen um, Storm Storm players... Other storm players doing grubby stuff, like um, remember storm player George Burgess when he eye gaged uh, Robbie Farrer?
2: Yeah, and I remember we had,
0: that. We had storm that other bastard. storm player, um, uh, James Roberts with with an elbow to a player's head while he's on his ground and completely unable to defend himself. Typical storm. Yeah, and then there was that other storm player, um, Sam Burgess got suspended for a high tackle on Matt Moylan.
1: The storm just can't help themselves.
0: They can't help themselves. Yeah, grubby, grubby bastards.
1: Real terrible, terrible. The only club. team
0: in the comp doing this grubby stuff, and something needs
1: to be done to weed that out. So um, I'm with you, Shane. Melbourne yeah. still needs to get that shit out of their game. And, and I think I speak for everybody within the game when I say that we should listen to what Shane Richardson has to say and really take it on board because it means a lot to everyone.
0: Yeah, you know, he's one of those those people who are constantly um, described as a you know club power broker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He probably, he probably <laughs> needs to do to uh, get himself. Probably, he needs to work in a different line of brokerage. I think.
1: Do you reckon when the rabbitos sit down and they make big decisions, right? Do you reckon Shane Richardson's in the room? Like, because you know Rusty's there, right? Russell Crowe, amazing owner, the perfect owner, fantastic. And then there's that other bloke. He wears glasses. I forget his name. Um, of oh, the guy with the money oh what's his name anyway so he go, he's there definitely <laughs> right
0: this is to sound like a conversation we had before we went on air
1: yeah yeah so he's there I reckon they say Shane don't go and get us a coffee or something we're just going to talk about it just a little bit and then Shane leaves the room and they're like okay let's get Wayne Bennett <laughs> I reckon that's how it works
0: That's that's pretty much it I think yeah, I don't think you could put that down any any better than that. Um, so yeah, they need to work on that. Um, what else was there? Oh yeah, yesterday Manly played against Canberra and put, picked up a pretty impressive win down there. Yeah. Um, two things out of that game. One, mm-hmm. I'll mention quickly here, so we can go on a bit of a longer rant on the next piece. So at the end of the game, Manly's Adam Blake did a. Um, Crying sort of motion towards the fans after they yep. after the Canberra lost. Yeah, and apparently there's people saying, "Oh, he needs to grow up." And I'd say, quit bitching. Yeah, I mean, it's just first poking of... a bit of fun. You lost, yeah. and he's mocking you for it.
1: You start the game off by Go blowing on. a giant horn and then clapping, and you yeah. want somebody else to grow up. It's like I know it's cold down there. And the cold gets there, but still, I mean, come on, it's a game of footy. Exactly. Yeah, the other thing to come
0: out of that game was the fact that the referees blew twenty six penalties, and apparently, this is uh, this is a sign the referees are shit again. Um, yeah. No one's come out and said the players weren't very good. Maybe yeah. that's why they got penalised twenty six fucking times in a game because apparently, referees just like blowing the whistle for the hell of it.
1: There's nothing that referees like more than blowing the whistle and having all the attention put on themselves because some of them, that's what they do it for. Andrew, they yeah. just they want to be the centre of attention because it always works out so well for the referees when that happens, and they just decide I'm going to blow the penalties all the time.
0: Yeah, I'm, I I I like being abused, mm. and I also want to ruin the game of rugby league. I want to destroy my sole source of income.
1: That's what they want to do
0: because that's how intelligent they are. You fucking idiot suggesting that yeah. they want to do that.
1: Fucking hell. God, it so pisses me off. dumb. It's so dumb. And, like, if if teams don't want to get penalised, stop breaking the, the game's rules. That's the simplest way. You know, if exactly. you stop breaking the rules, you won't get penalised. It's really simple. So I've come up with a few ideas around a few different
0: issues that are going on in the game at the moment. That okay. we could do, and it, it's about cleaning up the game, making the job easy for the refs without having to change the rules at all. Okay. The first one is with the wrestling stuff that goes on in in a game, yep. for every wrestle hold that is applied, the team who performs it gets an automatic $10,000 fine and the player gets a $1,500 fine. Yeah. And that's for every single hold that happens. So if they do 10 in a game, that's 50 grand for the club. Okay. Right? Yep. That's on top of being penalised for when they get caught out as well. Yeah. That, can, that could add up over the course of a year. Yeah. All right Now, sin bin, it needs to be used more often, and I'd also extend it to 15 minutes now. Fuck it. <laughs>
1: that because would be interesting.
0: we are not seeing clubs being that heavily impeded by the sin bin. So if we make it longer, 15, 20 minutes, who cares? Yeah. Make, make it longer. See how much they like it then. Because I think if a team has got, you know, we've been seeing in recent years that having a player off the field isn't having that huge an impact on the side over 10 minutes because it's basically about four sets each. But if we make it 15 to 20 minutes, I reckon that could probably start to change things around a bit more. And if referees are going to be more inclined to use the sin bin more often, that could also mean that players would have to start smartening up and not being not resorting to all this bullshit all the time. Yeah, yeah. Two easy things, okay? And it's all about punishing players for doing the wrong thing, which, let's be honest, that is the crux of the issue
1: here. See, and that I, would make
0: the referee's job easier.
1: See, I don't have any problems with the what's happening in the tackles and the ruck at the moment. I've got zero problems with it. And I think that, you know, players are getting penalised when, for the most part, when they're slowing it down uh, unnaturally. And I I just think that it's fine. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't see the problem with that. If a team goes overboard, they get more penalties against them. Um, when they're not, they get less penalties. Of course. I, I, it's almost as though I believe yeah. that the referees are doing an all right job and it's the clubs that are the ones stuffing up.
0: That's exactly right. I I believe that entirely. But I think if you were to bring in penalties and stuff like this of a harsher nature to the clubs, it would actually make the job easier for the referees and it would allow them to be even more consistent than they currently are.
1: Well, because but, but, I don't
0: think the problem is the refereeing, it's the it's the players and the clubs trying everything they can to try and pull the wool over the over the referees' eyes. And yeah, that shit so, needs
1: to end. We'll just say there was an incident on the field and i'm trying to think of like say there was the i hate using their terms but just say there was a bad chicken wing tackle right Uh um and a a player gets in that tackle day and and it's clear what happened what if the referee just like calls up play calls a player over tips the video ref says "Have, have a look at this and if it's clear that they've done it with intent, rather than it just being accidental, you know, they've they've clearly been in a position where they've grabbed the player's arm and they've pushed it back backwards and it wasn't just something they have in the tackle. What if you send that player off?
0: Yeah, I'm all for that. But every it, every send off must come with an automatic at least at least one week suspension minimum as well.
1: Well see, I I think it almost would, right? Especially if it was something that was obvious and, and definite. but And it opens the door for if there's an accidental movement like that that a player would get sent off. And that's probably the downside of it all.
0: Well, you but know if, what the downside will be?
1: Mm. The immediate
0: downside you'll get with that is people were then complaining, oh, we're now stopping the game to look at the video for
1: something that's not even a try anymore. That's true. Look, I'd be the first in line to start that. But I, I just wonder if we elevated... Um, cynical moves like that, like really real ones that stand out. If we elevated those acts within the game to being a send off offense, because as you say, the 10 minutes, it, it teams are teams are doing all right when they get in a place. And often I love, I love that the referees are sending more plays to the bin. I think it's fantastic. I love seeing that and more penalty tries. I, and I'm not even joking. I know it sounds sarcastic. Um, but I think that if you saw a, a certain wrestling move like that, because that, there's no reason to do a chicken wing on a player. There's no reason to grab a player's arm and push it behind their back like that. If you elevated that to a send-off offense, I wonder if it would um, change things rather than having the fines and stuff. Because I, th- I think the things with the fines and stuff, you get to the grand final, find me, find me all the money. You know, I'll, I'll pay yeah. it afterwards.
0: Yeah, the fine system is completely stupid and pathetic and has proven to be an absolute failure. Yeah. Because Josh Maguire, enough yeah. said. He's been fined, what, twice, for instance, this year, keeps reoffending, and that's not pissy shit either. And we're talking about eye-gouging and, and raking at a player's face with your hand. That stuff doesn't deserve a fine. It deserves bloody weeks. Yep. Even even bloody months on the sideline. You just don't do that crap. And I suppose but, it leads into discussion about James Roberts. When Given that mm, what he did didn't really cause that much of an injury to the player. No. But it's the latency of it. It's a yeah, blatant so, breach of the law. It's completely wrong. It's attacking a player's head. Um, I don't think you should be going around and just saying, oh, because he didn't get injured that much, it shouldn't be that bigger penalty i say oh fuck that he's completely broken the law completely unnecessarily i'd put him i'd put him on suspended for bloody five weeks fuck it
1: i don't know how i feel about the james roberts one hey i know it's I, I, I will be going against the uh the general feeling amongst most people but i thought that it was stupid i thought it definitely deserved 10 minutes I don't know that it deserved a send-off. I think it definitely deserved a suspension because, as you say, he was attacking a player's head. I just thought it was weak. Like, he did it to a dude who's, who was face down on the ground. His arms were pinned next to him, basically. He had no chance to protect himself or see it coming or anything like that. My outrage was more about the fact that it was just so weak and petty.
0: Yeah, it's um, cowardly. It's gutless.
1: Cowardly. Yeah, yeah. And look, it it didn't do much, no. and that makes it worse for me. For some reason, it's it, like it you're... makes
0: it even more pathetic and pathetic. stupid.
1: Yeah, it does. And so, and I think that his his suspension taking him right up to finals time was a little bit convenient as well. And I'm not saying exactly. anybody's integrity was is undermined or anything. I just thought it was kind of convenient. But yeah, when I saw that, I just thought, what a pathetic thing for someone to do. And it, there was nothing in the tackle that, it wasn't like Corey Oates hit him right in the jaw with a, an elbow going into it and he was still angry about that and it was a hot headed move. It, it was just pathetic, as you say, that was the best word for it. And yeah, um, look, I, I, but I, at the same time, I thought that the 10 minutes was fine um, and the suspension was was accurate for that. Um, yeah, look, but it sh- should have been longer.
0: I agree. I think the referees did everything absolutely spot on regarding yeah. that incident. Um, no criticism whatsoever. I just think that that's the sort of um, grubby, pathetic shit that the game doesn't need. It, it serves zero purpose to anybody. Yeah. It was blatantly intentional. Yeah. It wasn't yeah, that's the careless. It was... It was blatantly intentional. Then that shit, I don't care how much, whether it impacts the player or not, if it injures them, it shouldn't matter. The fact that it was so intentional and so blatantly and flagrantly, uh, you know, destroying the rules. No, you you should go and he shouldn't be playing any finals football at all. He should not be rewarded with finals football after doing something that stupid. Same goes. Just say. Same thing for bloody Joey Lolua as well yesterday.
1: See, I didn't see the Joey Lalau one, but just on the Roberts one, right? Just say yeah. he does the exact same thing, and Corey Oates is out. It switches him off. He's out like a light on the ground, right? Yep. I think it's fair to say that Roberts would not play again this year. Okay. Um, and part of me feels as though, and you're not supposed to weigh the outcome like how injured a player gets into a suspension, but we do. We just naturally do in the game. um, and But you're not supposed to, and it's kind of weird that that even though you're not supposed to, we just do. We do. We're people, you know. Um, You'd But know if it he had, had switched him off, I think that no one would argue that he shouldn't play, maybe even at the start of next year as well. That's the thing. I mean, we're talking precisely what could actually just be a matter of luck.
0: The difference between where Roberts' elbow hit Oates on the head. Yeah. Uh, we've seen, we've seen it just recently, just, just in cricket. Like, Steve Smith copped a, a, a bouncer to the neck, which yep. floored him but didn't knock him out. But he ended up getting a cushion and have to stay off. But the same speed delivery with the same speed ball hits Philip Hughes in a slightly different part of the head and kills him. And yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that Roberts is going to kill him. I'm just saying that it shows you just how lucky you can be, and the difference in impact it can have, with the circumstances are almost identical.
1: Yeah, it it really does, and, that,
0: and that's why I don't think that we should be using injuries, you know, and the impact it has on the on the victim. I guess we shouldn't be using that as some sort of guide as to whether it should be more weeks or less. You know, if someone hits some bloke with a jaw and he just happens to be a player who's got a really strong jaw, Nathan Cleary, for example, <laughs> right? But it doesn't break his jaw, but then you go and yeah. hit someone like Chris Lawrence who's had a few jaw issues and stuff and facial issues and his jaw breaks a lot more easily. Mm-hmm. But it's exactly the same incident with the exact same force. How can you say that the one on Cleary doesn't deserve to be suspended as much as the one would be on Lawrence or vice versa? I, that's I, where I think.
1: Yeah. I Look, I agree yeah. completely. But I just think, as people, we don't operate like that.
0: No, you no, know
1: it's wrong, that's and weird, that's why I think we've got to. We've got got to look, weird,
0: we, it is. We've got to start looking at the actual incident, and I think, I think the level of stupidity involved in an illegal play should be the determining factor as how many weeks you get.
1: Well, like, look, we don't. We're a long, long way from swinging arms in tackles and put one on the chin of players and all that sort of stuff. We're miles from that now. Of course, yeah. And so I I wonder if rugby league's suspensions and uh, maybe the point system that they use in place needs to be rejigged a little bit because the thing that we're seeing a lot of players get suspended for now are the grubby acts. Mm. And maybe they need to be stamped out of the game at this point, where you get something like what what Roberts did, which there's just there's no reason for it to happen in the game at all, and you smash that. You give it like ten weeks, or you go for a player's eyes. Bang. See you later. We're not seeing you play again this year. Um. And those those little weird things that it's not so much a accident in the game, or even a A hot-headed moment. It's like these intentional moments that a player decides to do something that isn't a natural act within the game. Does that make sense?
0: No, I fully agree. I I entirely take that attitude. Is if suspension should they serve two purposes? That's as a punishment for the act you did, and also as a deterrent to stop you from doing that again. Yeah, and you need to make it heavy enough so that it serves both purposes. If it's too light, then it doesn't act as a deterrent.
1: Yeah, because, and... I mean, you think of the worst things we've seen on the field this year, and, look, there's been head-high tackles and stuff like that, but the things that jump out for me, we've talked about. It's Maguire with some stuff he's done. It's Burgess going – it's uh, – uh, not Sam, George Burgess going after like, and going out of his way. To go after Robbie Farah's eyes, I, yeah. I I found that disgusting, um, and that 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 thing by Roberts. Now I don't I didn't see what Leigh did. I didn't watch that game, but from what you've described, it it might have been a little bit along those lines. And I think that the I, I do I think that the thing that I'd be happy for the judiciary to come out and say, look, all of those um, point system and and all of the grading that we have for those extra acts even if they said they could they go straight to the judiciary for it and if we find you guilty you're spending three months on the sideline
0: yeah i think so stupid acts and that's what they are they're stupid yeah and they're stupid because they're intentional and yep. a lot of them are, are off the play so yeah. um you know after the tackle's was completed going after an eye gauge like robert uh, like um what farrah suffered yeah Completely pointless. I mean, eye gaging is pointless to start with. But what's the what's what purpose does that serve? Exactly. Like, what are you trying trying to do to him? You're not trying to stop him moving. He's on his back with you know 200 kilos of humans on top of him. He's not going anywhere. Why are you going at his face for? Um, yeah. Roberts with an elbow to a bloke after the ball is left, you know, out of the field of play. What are you doing? What's the point of that? Um, and then you've got lolua Lua who, after a bloke has scored a try and he's rolling on the ground and the try is about to be awarded he comes in and just drops his knees and pretends like it's some sort of accident. Oh, I was just sort of following through. and was going to make a tackle. He watched him put the ball down before he fell to his knees. Yeah. It was so late and so blatant and so stupid. I'd piss him off. and just say, look, none of you deserve to be thinking about being able to play in a grand final this year after doing something that stupid. I, yeah. Don't i not give agree. them all five, six
1: weeks. Fuck them off. There's no, there's no, no way that should be rewarded with grand final appearances. Yeah, definitely. And the other thing is too, like, you know, there's this thing that a lot of people are saying, oh, the toughness is coming out of the game, blah, blah, blah. None of that stuff is tough.
2: No, like, it's not tough. I,
1: I, we, I know we can both make, and you know, you can't do it, but I know we can both make a really good case for bringing back shoulder charges, right? But there's just there's just no place for some of these things that we're seeing. And I think that the NRL needs to, to change their system a little bit and grade those things on a much harsher scale, for sure, going forward.
0: Yeah. And anyone who's going to sit there and say that the game isn't tough, um, ask a player. Yeah. Ask a player how tough they think it is playing rugby league. They're not yeah. going to sit
1: there and say, oh, it's a bloody walk in the park. Just one one tackle for most people. I don't, don't want to sit here and be like, oh, you're not like them, but just one tackle. <laughs> if you just got tackled <laughs> once, man, you'd be sore for three weeks. Yeah, and look, we we will
0: make fun about um, Gutherson and, and Moses stuff like that, but yeah, you're too you what even to even get to playing in the NRL, even the New South Wales Cup, you need to have some level of toughness to play this game at that competitive level. Um, yeah. So if you want to sit there and say it's, it's losing us toughness, you can just piss off as well because
1: that's completely yeah. wrong. Exactly, and, and it's funny. It's said mostly by journalists who have you know never played the game at that level as well. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, because they'd know. Yeah. Anyway, that was a good rant.
0: Um, yes. You're fired up. This this is great. You're pissed. <laughs> oh. I made a comment on on Twitter and I was having a go at a few Daddy. people, and I've actually had someone who. Daddy. Hang on. no, yes. What is it? I think who
2: is this name? I don't know. Let's give him a name. Let's
0: call him Frank the Bee. No, let's call
2: him
0: Maybe Okay, you do that. <laughs> um. Michael Ennis has yes. said that the nitpicking that the referees did in the uh, Manly-Canberra game is making the NRL like rugby union. Oh, and of I course said this yeah. I said, Michael Ennis is making an ask himself with this comment. Why is it never the player's fault for the high penalty counts? And someone said to me, they agree with Ennis. When you blow forty-five penalties, you're not going to get them all correct. And I said, if you blow five, you're going to miss a lot of infringements, get criticised for inconsistency, and missing a lot of calls. Players and clubs abided by the rules. This conversation wouldn't take place.
1: Yeah, and it, look, if we're gonna go by numbers, if you're gonna if you're gonna try and make forty <laughs> tackles, you're not going to make every single one of them, you know. And why do we hold the referees to some? outrageously high standard that we also don't hold the players to um, and the coaching staff and all that. Like, you know, if... if, And I, I said this in the last episode as well, if you haven't heard it, like, the refereeing is part of the condition of playing sport and you have to overcome the elements, you have to overcome the opposition team and there's a whole lot of things you've got to do and right down near the bottom of it is... You've got to just overcome the referees' decisions, and that's way, way, way down the list. Like exactly right. You know, it, the, all of these people that are running around blaming referees for for losses and results and stuff—it's so—it's just weak to me. It, it just comes across as really weak and pathetic.
0: It is. It's completely. It's. I had a great analogy sent to me, and it was—it was. It was um, it's like blaming the police for the high crime rate.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. That's a real good one. Um, I, I, I like, don't understand it, I, and I I think it's a mentality.
0: It that, is, and it's a mentality that's been fostered by the media. They're the ones who start the shit. Yeah, and it shows you that it shows you how effective the media is at forming people's opinions on things, because so many people buy into this idea that the refs are to blame.
1: Yeah, they really do, and and it's like I mean, you can see a team have 30 put on them at halftime and no professional team should ever have that. Um, And, and they'll come off the field at halftime and the fence will boo the refs and their own team. And it's like, why are you booing the referees? It's so weird to me.
0: Yeah. Well, um, I mean, it happened actually in the, the Manly, uh, sorry, the Melbourne versus Titans game on the weekend. Yeah. And they interviewed um, Cameron Munster after the game and he said, no, I, you know, the Titans were getting all of the 50-50 calls. I wasn't happy, and I was blowing up at the ref about it. That, the reason he blew up, you know, the reason that they got penalised half the time is because he blew up at the ref a few times. He got penalised for doing that,
1: dissension. That's, that's,
0: that's his totally own weird. fault. Yeah. yeah. That's not yeah. a 50-50 call. You do that yourself, you moron.
1: Yeah, that's that's brilliant. And But I think that it's a culture that's been cultivated, <laughs> and I think that, you know, with Graham Annesley and his... Bloody PowerPoint presentation! Uh, it just feeds into it. I think thanks. what we need is an overall sport, and and I think that all sports in Australia should be doing this. Um, there needs to be a, a campaign that's in place that really elevates the status of referees within the sport because they love the game, they're experts, they know what they're doing, and. This culture of referee blaming is just, it's gross, it's weak, it's looking for an out for your own failure. And I, I've i never understood it at all. Um, you know, it, it needs to change. And it's not going to change, the media's not going to change. The media are gross. But it need, we need to change it within the sport. And I think that... Um, I think there needs to be a real sit down and have a think about it. You know what? If I was running the NRL, I wouldn't have a referee's boss. I'd have a senior referee and I'd just say, you do your own thing. You know, I'm not going to, I just, that would be it. I don't think they need a a boss. I don't think they need an overseer. I, I would, they would be the biggest, the biggest voice on the rules committee. They are the
0: experts. They should be the only voice on the rules committee. I'd be we up for that. Shouldn't have anyone affiliated with any club whatsoever, yeah. past, past or present, on those rule committees. Because as we know, a lot of players and coaches, they're still going to be affiliated with the clubs that they were at when they played or coached at them. That's just as part of what being a fan is and what being a former employee is, I guess. Mm-hmm. They're biased. Yeah, You can't get away from that but the referees are not. And so they're looking at the game, they're going to tell you what's wrong with it, what they need to fix, what's going to make it easy for them, what they think is going to be better for the sport. They're the voices we need to listen to, their voices and their voices alone. But because yeah. they get demonised both so heavily by the media, if the NRL came out and says, oh, look, the, the rules committee is going to be made up entirely referees, the NRL will then be fearful of the backlash they'll get from the media who want
1: to bash the refs and the NRL. Yeah, like and a that's the hit. problem. That's the problem right there. There's this uh, this fear, and it comes from like, oh, we don't want the media saying this, this, this. And that's where I believe that you need to have strong leadership and a strong administration, and uh, we just don't have that, unfortunately. And I, I think the referees are fine. I don't have any problems with anything they're doing. Um you know, I don't think they're costing teams games. I think that... Uh, I have a problem when the video ref makes a, a poor decision because they get constant replays and, and get to yes. look at it. They have but, no excuses. Yeah, exactly. But the the referees on the field, they're better than they've ever been. And they're not perfect. But neither is the height of the grass. Neither is the wind conditions or the weather conditions. You know, the players are... Not 100% healthy when they run out in the field. They're not making every single tackle. They're not getting their kicks pinpoint accurate. They're not passing perfectly. That we live in real world conditions where nothing is perfect. And I don't understand why the referees are supposed to be perfect in that environment. I
0: don't know. What we're seeing is a constant excusing of the players from fault. Mm hmm. Well, that, that's all. That's all. This boils down to: is how can we find a way to avoid blaming the players for for the issues that are going on in the game? Let's blame the administration. Let's blame the referees. Um, another example is an article that was also coming out today mm-hmm. about Penrith and how their season was over before it began. Oh, genius! What do you want genius to know, wrote that? Do you want to know what it was? Gone. What it was. Penrith have never been able to recover from the sex tape scandal that rocked the club in the off season. Oh. That's why your season was over before it began. If Apparently only all those players were too busy looking at their teammates rooting on fucking phones. They stopped focusing on playing football. That's the reason.
1: Wow. It's, uh, well, you know what? Here's the thing, right? Here's right. what it comes down to. If that's all it took, they weren't making the finals anyway.
0: Exactly.
1: So, you know, I, I think that, um, first of all, the vast majority of people, I think, had Penrith in the finals. I don't think there were too many people that had them outside the finals. I had them as one of the top four, I believe, from memory. Um, I think talent-wise, they should at least be in the top six, but they have not performed. Um, and they've got no excuses. It's just yeah. on them. You know, I don't believe that a former... And he he got sacked really early in the season, that dude, hey. I don't believe a former player who's no longer at the club is the reason why the Panthers forward pack is so fucking soft. It's just not... In fact, if anything, anything watching a sex tape shouldn't make them soft at all. (laughs) That's right.
0: (laughs) Maybe they're just a bit spent after. Maybe. That's That's what it is. They've got a bit of um, post-coitus <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> lethargy come set in. Post-coitus lethargy. That's A-B. what we'll blame it on. Now, look, what this article is, clear and simple,
1: is a way to get extra mileage out of it. that happened in the off-season because they've got nothing else to write about. Pretty much. That is the sign of somebody that uh, couldn't talk about the game ever. Yeah, it's like, right. oh, why 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 aren't Penrith playing well? It's, it's got to be it's got to be something that happened in the off season, definitely. Let's just say sex tape. That'll get clicks. Yeah, sex tape. Oh, ah, oh, man! They're, they're, I swear to God, these journalists—they write about all this shit because they can't write about the game. Because when they start writing about the game, you realise that these people have no fucking idea what they're talking about.
0: Yeah, no, what's this? And they'll keep telling you that um, people don't want to read about that stuff. They want to read about the the, the, the dramas and the the controversies. They yeah, tell just, you this. They say this is why we write about it because this is what people want. Thing is, if it's the only thing you write, then it's the only thing people can read. Therefore, you've proven your argument by completely removing every other article style that is out there that people might want to read.
1: Yeah, I mean <laughs> they're like they're like the only baker in town that says to you, "I'm telling you." People love shit baked into their bread. They just love it. They keep buying it. It's fantastic. It's like, yeah, you're the only place that they can get bread anywhere. You're the only option they have. And it's funny. when The the journalists are the only people that say rugby league thrives on controversy. It's interesting that they're the one that sells the controversy, hey?
0: That's right. Yeah, they're, they're trying to justify doing it. Oh, we're doing yeah. this to help Rugby League because it thrives on controversy, so we've got to give it some more. We're actually doing something good for Rugby League. Yeah. Um, we you give can't. Back.
1: <laughs> you can't go without us. You need us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we don't. <laughs> Please. Fire them all into the sun.
0: <laughs> um, the last news story i got here is the Cowboys have revealed that they will not axe Coach Paul Green, despite mm-hmm. apparently – a spat that he had between him and Michael Morgan.
1: Okay, so Finger. my first... My, yep. Here's my first thing. I don't care if the players like the coach or not. I really don't. Like, if the players don't like the coach, that's fine. We're not all mates here to work in environment, you know. Um, if Michael Morgan isn't performing well because he doesn't like the coach, then that's on Michael Morgan. That's not on the coach. And I think that the Cowboys almost as much as any other team in the league, have had some pretty crazy injuries they've had to deal with. I mean, their fullback, who was playing well, had to stop playing because he had a brain bleed. And then Morgan, all of a sudden himself, had a couple of really bad concussions. There's just been a bunch of injuries and weird things happening up there. And the, I'll t- I tell you the other thing about the Cowboys. Talmalolo papers over a lot of their problems in their pack. To we the saw point that. where... Yeah, yeah we a yeah. few weeks ago. And, and he he left the team, and they were just... They couldn't go anywhere. And then he comes back, and it's the complete opposite. They, you know, they go crazy good again. So, Tal Malolo is papering over the cracks in that team big time. And that's their real problems. They've got personnel problems, I think. and And they've had a little bit of luck go against them. If they could get a couple of half-decent forwards and you know, a a couple of backs that weren't just plotters, they'd be fantastic. I don't think Paul Green's the problem up there. What about you? I don't think he's the problem
0: at the moment, but I do believe that every coach has an expiration date, Mm -hmm. except for the absolute, absolute, ultimate top-of-the-line coaches. And at the moment, there's only two of those, and that's Bennett and Bellamy. Every other coach is going to eventually get to a point where They've got to the end of what they're capable of doing with a side, and they have to move on. Um, yeah, you know, A lot of people will say Tim Sheens was a great coach, but he was one bloke who was there for far far longer than he needed to be. Yeah, When he got that side to the finals in 2009, 2010, somewhere around there, that was when he should have said, right, this is as far as I can take them. We need a new coach. While well, they're still on the up. They're still in that premiership window. Let's get them a coach who can get them to that next level. Yeah. He hung around, and they obviously they went over the hill and downhill. And they kept going downhill after he left. That's a sign that he was there longer than he needed to be. And I think Paul Green is getting close to that time where they had a bad year last year. Injury, sure, hasn't helped this year. But he's also responsible for the roster that he's got
1: there. And that club has next to no depth. No, none at all. And, like, to the point where one of their best performers this year, they picked up in about round six or seven, you know, Um Mm. It, it's been a weird year for them. I, the thing that worries me is their forward pack, though, because, I mean, Cohen Hess, if I was the Cowboys, I'd just get rid of him. I think he's, you know, it, he's got a bit of that Dane Carlaw about him. Um, and I, I just think that they need to do something about their pack because Tom they can't waste his years. He is a freak. And if they just get a half-decent pack around him... That is a a monster pack straight away, just because he's there. Um, but yeah, the the personnel is definitely on green. It'll be interesting to see what they do over the off season if they make many changes, because then I think next year, if they don't do something, then it's definitely he's under the pump.
0: I wonder if he'd go any
1: good at the uh, at the Titans. It's a good question. I mean. Look, I think a, a decent coach. They've got they've got some all right players at the Titans, but the the thing that worries me is the effort that those players are putting in. Yeah, um, it's really weird how many teams we've looked at in the, in the last probably third of the year where you can really question the effort, and you got to wonder what that's all about and where that comes from. And um, you know, do you put that on the coach? Does it go on the the players themselves? Where do you, you know, where's the motivation come? Is it just recruiting players that have that inner drive? You know, yes. it's it's a really, I mean, if it's the million dollar question. If you can work it out, you end up with the Melbourne Storm. It's
0: interesting because I think at the moment you could argue that there's probably only two teams in the bottom eight who are still trying to win games. Mm-hmm. And that would be the Tigers and the Bulldogs. I mean, the, the Bulldogs have now got themselves in position where they are mathematically capable of still making the finals. And that's that's just crazy. But look at the way they're playing. And, and it's all people out there Yeah, and there's people out there saying that, oh, Dean Payne needs to be replacing oh Why? Yeah. Imagine what he could do if he had some actual genuine stars across the back line and the forwards there.
1: Look what he's achieving with what he's got. That's phenomenal that they're still in the finals hunt. It really is. It's it's craziness and especially when you look at where they started in the year and we've talked about it a few times where we'll be like yeah they're the least talented team in the competition but damn they try hard and to be trying hard at this point of the season with how they come into the season and what their lineup is is it's crazy it's absolutely crazy he's done and that's what you want out of a coach. Like, the coach's job is to get the best out of his players. If that's not his job, what is his job supposed to be? Exactly right.
0: Uh, he's done phenomenal there. Um, the West Tigers have now become even harder to predict about what they're going to do next after that performance against that inept night side. Um, will they beat St. George Illawarra this weekend?
1: Oh, man. If it was, if it was <sighs> almost any other team... I would say I expect the Tigers to get pretty soundly beaten. But the Dragons are just... They're so done. They are. And
0: the horrible thing is that they've got a squad that should beat the Tigers easy. It's You know
1: what? its It's a squad that is almost perfect for just destroying the Tigers. Like yeah. all of those forwards... It, you, that you should be coming into this game being like, man, uh, they could put up 50 if they really get on a roll, but they're playing so poorly that uh, who knows? It, who knows? I think that's maybe what's made this year's tipping so difficult is that you've got so many teams that should be going well that are going so poorly and the Dragons, I think the Dragons probably top that list for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that they are the worst team this year, given the quality of the squad they have, uh-huh. given that they were a finalist last year, and to be to be running second last, mm.
1: nah,
0: that's that's atrocious.
1: Well, here's a question for you, all right? And this comes back to my what I said previously. Do you blame the coach for it, or do you blame the players? Do you blame their personal motivation? Because earlier in the year, we would talk about how awesome it was to watch the Dragons come out and their forward pack was blasting opposition teams. But we also said that style of play is not going to last for very long because you just can't keep that up through a season. And when that fell off, they didn't have any sort of plan B. So who who is that on? Who do you put that on?
0: I'm blaming the coach there because I don't think the players have actually shown signs that they've given up. I think what we're seeing is such a limited game plan by the Dragons. Yeah. And it's completely incompatible with the style of players they've got there. Yeah. And I think that's entirely the problem there. And Paul McGregor lacks the intellectual capability to modify the way he he has that team playing. So it doesn't matter who he's going to bring in there next year. They're still going to play
1: exactly the same style of football. And yeah, they do. They don't really throw much at you in attack, do they? And it's no. with all of those forwards, they should be a nightmare to be playing again. I mean, they've got guys that are big, strong, fast, mobile. You don't want Sims and, and then Frizzell and, you know, James Graham going to hit the ball up and he passes instead. They've got so many, just their pack. I'm not even talking about their backs. Their pack is is really scary, but they don't do anything with it. And I guess that does come down to the coach, doesn't it?
0: It does, because the players are, I mean, for anything, they're doing what they're told, yeah. which is what, which is pretty much, you know, that's the majority of what they're supposed to do. But the thing is, they're not being told to do much. Oh, just yeah. do some hit-ups and make the tackles, and we'll see how it goes. That's pretty much, I'm pretty sure that's pretty much the coaching mentality of Paul McGregor. And he goes yeah. to the halfback and say, oh, I'm the last, just bomb to the corner and see what happens. That's
1: yeah. it. I also, that, I mean... The the one question I've got out of that game was, um, you know, did they drop the halfback? Did they drop Hunt or was he injured? I heard some people saying he was dropped because he needed a rest. I and
0: was, was told slash heard that he was rested.
1: Which um, to me is, is horrifying. Like that's starting to get towards Ash Taylor stuff. Yeah. Part, but where I feel as though it might be different is that – I feel like maybe that is more the coach's decision than Hunt's decision.
0: I agree. I think it was, uh, I think McGregor decided that he wanted to give um, Tristan Saylor a run in first grade. Mm-hmm. And so that was his way of doing it. Instead of putting him on the bench, he thought, I'll just drop Hunt, say he needs a rest and bring Saylor on to
1: see how he goes. How would you and... think he went? How did you think the Sailor went? Um.
0: I, I don't think he's a halfback. He play, I think he's played the game a halfback. I think he's going to make a good six. Yeah. Um. He, he looks to be a sort of Tyrone Peachy type player, but doesn't have the size to play in the forwards yet.
1: Yeah. He's he, he's young. And he's only young. He's definitely yeah. not going to be as big as his dad was, as tall as his dad was, and, and filled out like he was. Um. Uh, he's got massive wraps on him. I think he... He showed enough to that they should stick with him for the rest of the season, it just somewhere in the side, you know, even yeah. coming off the bench. Um, but it, it was interesting. It's the first time I've seen him play, and I I was a bit surprised that he wasn't as big as his dad, quite honestly. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that he showed a, some, some good signs there in his first game. The thing that I liked about him is he come into the side and he didn't try, he didn't player like a player that just wanted to sort of secure his first grade place he he sort of tried to have a go and that's always a good sign in your first game
0: yeah he backed Um, himself really well
1: yeah we saw I think we saw with uh Bradman Best at Newcastle he tried that a little bit early on but as the game went against the Knights he sort of not disappeared a bit but he sort of tried to just do what he had to do and I think there was a few times there where he had a bunch of like welcome to first grade moments. Like there was one point where his opposition winger get got the ball. He basically had him covered. The winger kicks around him, runs out of bounds, comes back in, scores a try. And it's like oh, this is first grade. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's. I always find it interesting when you see a player's first game and see how they go. And you know, hopefully both of them end up being representative players. They've both got different things about them that I really like, though.
0: Yeah, I, I always like the um the massive rap that the media give these players after one game.
1: Yeah, it's weird. And my it's my favorite weird. of
0: all time was when after Luke Brooks had his stunning debut. Yeah. How um, he's immediately um, referred to as the next Andrew Johns.
1: <laughs> I was like, settle down, people. Come on. I tell you what, the worst one I've ever had personally. I I had massive rap, raps on Brett Furman. I thought he was going to be a rep player, even after his first few games. I'm like, man, he's got, got so many things I like about his game, and it just went just went nowhere. Yeah, he did start
0: out pretty well. I'll give you, I'll give you, uh, I'll let you off on that one. Yeah, it did fall away pretty quick though.
1: Really, th- really quick.
0: I think the worst one of all time was um, I can't remember who did it, but
1: Break the Astor was was called the next Laurie Daly. I was on the Anasta bandwagon though. I really was early on. I thought he was fantastic, and he was one of those players that the game something always happened with him. It was the game sort of come to him. But you know, like three seasons in, his game it just started leaving him. I guess it was weird. Yeah, yeah. He he wasn't Laurie Daly. No, he wasn't. (laughs) I was I was all in on Jamal Idris. Uh, Yeah.
0: For for a centre though, with that big that that big frame, um, and the the power he had, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I've I've got big wraps on um
1: that bulldog's winger Jaden Oakenboll. I think he's going to be he could be friggin' anything. Yeah, he could be yeah. he could be better than Idris. He reminds me a little bit of Idris in terms of the size, but he's got way quicker leg speed. Which yeah, he's I definitely think faster. Is, yeah, so and that's the. The thing that with Idris, he he never had that fast leg speed, but you kind of hoped that he'd get that in some way, and it just didn't happen.
0: Yeah, he was easily dominated too. That goes into uh, an off-field yes. matter in another country that we won't get into. Yes. Um, <laughs> I
1: forgot about that. <laughs> well,
0: we've actually we'll move away from that for briefly. We've actually had uh, two two comments on our Facebook page. Yes. Which I wanted to read out. Yeah, the first one comes from Nathan Lewis, and he said, Brilliant show about all things rugby league. Guys have a great chat and make it fun." And that was a that was a uh, a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. And then we have one on Sunday from Adam Collier, and he says, "Love the show, the best footy podcast out there. No shit, both funny as. Also love Manly and." Fucking George Tafu were banging shit in the walls during the team song. Did you notice it was a fucking plastic chair this time after the Raiders? Uh, Trent Barrett would have been spewing. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: that's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant.
0: Wow. Old, what a great Trent, I wonder if Trent Barrett does sit there and every time he sees a bit of furniture that he bought there, you know, it could be, it could be one of those... <laughs> Chair legs that you you screw in from IKEA, and he's just found
1: one that's been sitting there. that's being misused. And we're sitting there going, "That's my chair leg." Yeah. Imagine if the the Manly <laughs> players had something where like, they switched from banging like the you know the cooler boxes and the the walls and stuff to they just got all of the chairs that he had. And George Tafu was like, every single time we win, I'm gonna just get one of Barrett's chairs and just smash it against the wall until it falls apart. And that's like a cathartic thing. It's like getting rid of the uh, the stank that Trent Barrett left behind at the club. That would be brilliant, hey? What
0: What I would love, okay, the next win that Manly has, and hopefully it's this year, is that they get there, they all grab a plastic chair, and they all look at the camera. They don't in a big circle. They all look at the camera, and they're banging on the chair, and all they're singing is, Thank you, Trent! Thank you, Trent! Thank you, Trent! Thank you, Trent! Yeah. And, give then burn all, and then just burn all the plastic chairs afterwards in the in the dressing sheds.
1: <laughs> oh, that would be so cool. Oh man, we should. Ah, uh, you know, you know how Manly's Brookvale Oval is a public park during the week.
0: Yeah, dogs go there and do the shit and stuff there's,
1: on the ground. There's got to be something. What we need to do, right? Okay, like if you're listening and you live in the Manly area, what we want you to do is get a plastic chair from Bunnings, okay, and just take the chair into the onto the field during the week and just sit it under the goalposts right and sit it under the goalposts take a picture and send it into us at podcast at leaguefreak.com uh, we'll photoshop it with a big thank you Trent sort of above the above the goalpost <laughs> well we'll also t- tag your name on the photo okay well, it'll be big like you're going to get your credit but yeah so if you can do that, we would love you for it. You would be a <laughs> hero.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, that is fantastic. Yeah, we could try. We... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'd even like to see man... people in Manly taking photos of their plastic chairs outside their houses. Put your chairs out for Trent just to say. Yeah, thanks.
1: do that. <laughs> Put your chairs out. For chairs out for Trent. <laughs> Hashtag chairs out for Trent.
0: In fact, I'll get a few here, so I'll, I'll put a few out tonight and take a photo to get a, get the ball rolling.
1: Nice, yeah, let's do that. I think um, I've got
0: two or three fold-out chairs out the back, so I'll stick them outside. Yeah, he needs put acknowledged.
1: My... Look how yeah, well they're going. Like, that's right. He told, he told Tom Trebojevic, he taught him how to play football.
0: Yeah. When Tom Trebojevic came to Manly, he was just 18 and didn't know how to scratch his ass.
1: In now, fact, he, he was wasn't funny. even a player. He was just some kid walking along, you know, going to games and stuff, and Trent Barrett was like, hey. Want to learn how to play footy? I'll teach you how to
0: be the best player in the world. Yeah. In two years. Just give me two years. I can get it done.
1: Yeah, exactly. I just need two years. Hey, yeah. Sully, And he knocks on the car window. You want to <laughs> learn how to play footy? Huh? 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 huh?
0: <laughs> oh, shit. I'm late for training. Sorry. Uh, who's the coach this week? It's Trent. <laughs> oh, yeah. Trent. How you going, mate? <laughs> mate. Brilliant. I'll... I'll let you do some training, and you know what? You can have all the McNuggets you want. Oh, yeah, I'll be in on that.
1: McNuggets. (laughs) That's what we should call him. McNuggets. McNuggets.
0: McNuggets-sully. That's brilliant. That's fucking brilliant. Oh, fantastic. What a way
1: in the podcast. That's a good one. (laughs)
0: <laughs> hope someone's writing these down for us so we remember next time same here, same here. um yeah any, anything else well we've got a, we've got um we've got some good shows coming up yep this week we've got a another interview yeah with a, a special guest who's uh had some sort of involvement with the show and then we're not really... gonna say who it is though no no we're not gonna reveal too much keep that character later yep um I am working on a on a big history piece, which hopefully we can get done this week.
1: Yeah, yeah. And um, do you want to do like I suggested? Do you want to do the Matthew Elliott episode this week? Because you had a big win oh, yeah, on yeah, the yeah, weekend. Yeah. We we um, need
0: to we need to get that. You need to have a purge.
1: I think yeah. I think it'll be cathartic in some way. And I think yes. to do it in a week where there was so much triumph for the after we had that episode where it was just. An hour and a half or it was a brutal hour and a half for a Tigers fan. I think it's my turn.
0: Yes, yes. I think that's only fair. And to be yeah. honest, a lot of your longtime fans would be well aware of your feelings towards Matthew Elliott. Yeah. And they've been waiting for this for a long fucking time. Let's be honest.
1: Yeah, it's it's been in the making for a while. Um, I, I think I'm ready for it. I think You're I'm ready. ready
0: for it. Yeah. Do you have to do any research?
1: uh oh, no i can't i can't i'll be too angry going in i'll, I'll do something for you just to uh,
0: open up a few words just to help keep things going if yeah. that needs to happen which i don't and, think it will
1: and feel free to be as personal and brutal as you want just go in full like just kick me while i'm down just go for it you've got my permission
0: we're just going to get it all out of your system yeah
1: yeah definitely yeah, I-
0: I think, it's, I think it's only fair. Um, Yeah, and we've got a... Uh, I think we'll have got a, I'll probably do another live show or two
1: this weekend. Who knows? Yeah, we'll have a look at what the games are and if there's any interesting ones. And, um, yeah, Let's we'll have, have a gander. Set... We'll have a quick gander now. So we've got right.
0: Thursday night, Cowboys with the Bulldogs.
1: Oh, the Bulldogs should beat them, hey?
0: Yeah, you think so. Uh, Friday, Warriors and South. In Brisbane and Para on Saturday. Oh boy! Oh wow! We've got we've got two two very close games for very wrong reasons, and then another interesting one at the end. So we've got Manly versus Melbourne.
1: Yep, that'll be a good one. Wow, that's yeah, quick again.
0: That's, that's going so to be weird. big. Yeah. And then we've got Newcastle versus Titans. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! Wow! That's going to be the opposite. Fuck. <laughs> um, and then the Roosters play Penrith at the SCG. And then on Sunday, uh, Sharks play Canberra and the Dragons play the Tigers.
1: Man, it's a pretty good round of footy, hey? It's not bad, bar that one <laughs> game on Saturday. Yeah, apart from that one, if, if we can use one of the... Uh... Men in Black, what do they call them? Neuralizers, I think.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, if they we can use one of those for that game. But every other game, I mean, the, the Bulldogs are playing to try and mathematically still be in it. Um, you know, the Warriors game. No one wants to watch the Warriors at the moment. Um, Brisbane playing Parramatta. That's actually a pretty big game, that one. If Brisbane win that game, I think their finals are secured. That's right. Um,
0: if they lose... And especially if the Tigers beat the Dragons. Yeah. um, That puts a lot of pressure on, I suppose, Brisbane for the last round
1: of the year. Yep, yep. Uh, The Panthers versus uh, Roosters. It's going to be interesting if if the Broncos lose against Parramatta and the Panthers win against the Roosters. Like, it's going to be a... We're going to see... We're going to see what the intent of the Panthers are in that game if the Broncos have lost. If the Broncos have won, I wouldn't be shocked if the Panthers rolled over and died. Um, but, I hope you know, and I don't say hopefully the Broncos lose, but if, if they do lose, that could be a really interesting game to watch because um, we own the Roosters. We own their soul. I think we've seen that time and time again. I so, have a soul. Hey? They have a soul? Well, they're the soulless plaything of a rich man, so it'll be good to get another win over them because when they're in Adelaide, you know, they can have that in their history books. <laughs>
0: um, the last time... Oh, no, they are playing at the SCG. What was the last time they played each other at the SCG? That's a good question, man. Have they ever played them at the SCG? They have. We've got to go back to 1977. Wow. And on that occasion, the Roosters won
1: 26-9. I wonder why they were playing at the SCG that day. Yeah, it
0: must have been a sad round of footy if that was the match of the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, the old chocolate soldiers. Who else played round 20 that day? St. George Manning. That would have been the big game of the round. Yeah, you'd think so. Flog West. That would have been another big game. Um,
1: Balmain Newtown. yeah. Nah. North, no, Parramatta, Canterbury. Oh well, well, that's the match of the round. Oh, hang on a second, seventies, yeah. early seventies. Yeah, late seventies. Oh, late seventies. Oh, late 70s. oh yeah. yeah, that would have been. Yeah,
0: been pretty that's, close to being. The that's match of that's round. maybe East only had the SCG as a home ground then. Oh
1: yeah, they did. That'd be it then. Oh, <laughs> it's a home ground. <laughs> Why don't we just go to that at the start? <laughs> that would have made sense. Yeah,
0: but there we We're go, rugby league experts. Regularly experts we just I, I just put it on a website and then forget about it. <laughs> it's all over there somewhere. I'll check it out later and, and confirm or deny yeah um, right, so a few plugs and shout outs supposed to if you want to get in touch with the uh with us, you can go to Twitter. that's where we are most of the time. Um, yep. I'm at an Andrew RLP, you're at League Freak uh the podcast is at Fergo Freak Pod. You can go to League Freak's website, www.leaguefreak.com, and check out all of his opinion writing on there. Every episode of the podcast is on there, as well as links to, um, you know, your podcast service or not that you need to know about that now because you're listening to it anyway. But, yeah, <laughs> they're all there. Maybe there's another one there that you like. Um, check it out on YouTube. Subscribe, like all the videos. You know, do the same thing on, on Apple Podcast. I think it's called now, instead of iTunes. Mm-hmm. Go on there and give us a, a five star rating and give us a, a positive review and we'll read them out. Um actually I think, I've got, I think I've got two more to read out there, haven't I?
1: Oh yeah. Uh did we do that?
0: No, let's, we haven't yeah. done that yet.
1: Read them out, read them out again, anyway. So uh, two new ones. Yeah, let's go find them.
0: Okay. Reviews. Here we go. We've actually got uh twenty five star reviews now. Nice. And so the we'll the last few reviews we got. So we got here. Um, Kirsty Lou said, "I love a straight accent, so that's a win." Plus, you won't find a more genuine pair of guys that just love rugby league. Give it a listen; you won't be disappointed. So that's an awesome that. one. Um, Al Queen Twelve said, "Best NRL podcast out there right now. Makes for easy listening. So much more insightful than the Channel Nine commentary team." Nice. That's a given. Yep. Um, Dadu Twenty One says, "This pair of tools have no idea."
1: Yeah, don't
2: like him.
0: No, 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 doesn't. Don't need to worry about that. Richard Crane has been out with the uh, the old tire on He's kneecapped him, so we won't need to worry about him anymore. <laughs> um, this podcast is magnificent, glorious. Just, mm, that's what she said. That's by a bit creepy. Andrew RLP. Ah, oh, I man. don't know who did that. <laughs> <laughs> Unbiased. There you go. Unbiased. Yeah. Um, also found a website where you can show- show all the uh the podcast rankings around the world and on certain charts, yeah, so at the moment we are number one nowhere but we are we are in the top five for Apple podcasts on rugby in the u s a yeah um we're seventh for in Switzerland for rugby, yeah and ninth in Singapore nice <laughs> all our key markets. Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Eleventh in Hong Kong. Ah, oh, it's funny because like, whenever you see them, like at the moment, and they're in the streets and stuff, they've all got their earphones in, listening to us.
0: Yeah, they do, yeah. Um, fight the power. Fight the power. <laughs> We're fourteenth in New Zealand. Nice. And
1: twenty-one
0: in Great Britain. Nice. And number nine in Australia. Excellent. And uh unfortunately, we dropped out of the top one thousand for um in for in spotify's sports and recreation podcast in Peru.
1: oh man, I was really we need... happy that we're in the top one thousand in Peru,
0: yeah, so we need to work on that we've we've dropped yeah. out
1: there. we need more peruvian um content, yeah, surely what we've just said there now is enough to get them back over the line. Imagine if there was some sort of <laughs> like And someone will start doing it. They'll start finding some sort of algorithm within the audio of the podcasts where if you say certain words over a certain amount of time, you get promoted in those areas more and more. So like if we say Peru, Peru, Peru's great. I love Peru.
0: Peru, eventually
1: it'll get promoted in Peru.
0: (laughs) That's got, uh, that, that might work. Yeah, imagine, imagine if we could get around We could promote ourselves as the number one podcast
1: in Peru. You know the funny thing is, one hundred percent, there'd be somebody in Huddersfield saying, "Why the fuck does this podcast keep coming up in my list?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why are they talking about Peru all the time? Yeah. Um. Yeah. On that great note, we'll uh, we'll leave you all to it. Thanks, everyone in Peru, for listening, <laughs> and everybody else. And we'll catch you next time.